Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Today's episode of Wine and Dime is sponsored by Rooted Planning Group, a fee-only financial planning firm that believes life is about events, supported by your dollars and cents. And we want to help you achieve your goals. Hop on over to www.rootedpg.com to learn more about the services. Every week, it's my goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks again for joining me. This is Amy Irvine, the CEO and founder of Rooted Planning Group. Today, we are going to be talking about CPI and unemployment, but just quickly, I want, this is part four of a six-part series that I'm doing, so I just want to quickly recap the other three parts that I've done. Part one was understanding the importance of the Fed fund rate and how it affects you, how it trickles down in and affects you. Part two, we talked about understanding economic indicators like the leading economic index and the institute for supply management. In part three, we talked about gross domestic product or GDP and what that actually means. And then again, as I mentioned today, we're going to be talking about CPI and unemployment. Now, before we get into that, I have to remind you that I am exploring different areas of the United States. I figured since I was talking about economy, I should stay with a local economy uh, here. And I'm looking at different regions of the U.S. economy, uh, wine industry in particular. And when I was searching around, I decided to look at Virginia. And so I picked up some information from Wikipedia. Now, Virginia is close enough to me that I may just go visit them at some point in time and try to explore the region. This is something my husband and I have said time and time again as we you know, made our voyage south, uh, that we're going to stop in Virginia and explore the region. And I, I hope that that happens relatively soon. But here's what I learned when I was researching that region. So the wine produced in Virginia has been there since the early days of European colonization in the 17th century. Virginia has a hot, humid summer that can be challenging to viticulture, and only within the last 20 years has the industry developed beyond novelty status. And one of the things that I read about was that French hybrids uh, varieties ac account for about 20% of the total grape production in that area, while American uh, varietals make up about 5% of the total. So 
as of 2012, the top 10 varietals produced were Chardonnay, Cab Franc, Merlot, Vidal Blanc, and let's see if I can pronounce this correctly, Vietnam. I believe that is the way it is pronounced. It's a French pronunciation and I may have it slightly off. Nonetheless, now I have a new region. Last podcast, it was Michigan. This podcast, a new region is going to be Virginia. I'm looking forward to exploring that and I'm going to definitely look up those wines and the different wineries and see if I can explore that just a little bit. The other area that um, it's kind of uh, the central and northern Virginia County is particularly just east of the Blue Ridge Mountains. That accounts for a significant majority of their production. So I love that area. It's on my list now. It's certainly when I go to the uh, local uh, wine shops. I'm going to be looking for that region and see if I can't find something. And and if you as a listener know of a great wine coming out of Virginia, please send me a note. I'd love to taste it and, you know, maybe even feature it on the show in the future. Okay, now on to the important thing that we are here to talk about, which I think wine is important too, but the CPI and unemployment. So according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the definition of CPI is, which stands for, by the way, Consumer Price Index, is the measure of the average change over time in prices paid by urban consumers for a market basket of consumer goods and services. Is that long enough for you? (laughs) A measure of the average change over time in prices paid by urban consumers for a market basket of consumer goods and services. Now, urban is thrown in there, by the way. So that is the definition. And a piece of the change over time is certainly inflation and consumer demand um, consumers demand higher, you know, income to offset those higher prices. What's interesting about CPI that a lot of people I think don't realize is that there are various components of CPI. So if we actually break it down, there's transportation services, there's food, there's shelter, there's new vehicles, there's core CPI, and then there's CPI. And then we look at medical care and commodities. We look at apparel. We look at medical care services, energy, and used cars. So there's a whole bunch of different consumer price index components. When we're thinking about CPI, it's not just one you know piece of it. We look personally at current levels, troughs, and peaks within the past 12 months for the CPI components, headline CPA, and core CPA. So we We've seen most areas decline from their peaks, most significantly energy and used vehicles. In fact, we're seeing some current levels equal to the troughs, meaning currently at the lowest levels in the past year. That's good news. And then year over year, you know, we always look at that to be, um, you know, I always look at to say year over year inflation for components of CPI that make up headline CPI. So I think that that's another kind of important denotation. But and and you all are feeling that in your prices, right? I know everybody's feeling that in their prices. And it, like I said, we've seen um, the peak of some of this be quite a bit higher, especially when we talk about energy and used cars. Most everything on the charts that we follow, um, except shelter, is below its peak. Shelter has stayed right about at the same level. So it really hasn't gone down at this stage of the game. So that's the one component that is hasn't changed much. But then what about one on a, so we all know that and job market has been strong and, you know, certainly lately there's been some layoffs. But what about when unemployment strikes? Well, there is a relationship between unemployment 
in inflation. Um, and it is known as uh, one of the things that we follow it on is the Phillips curve. And it's a generally downward sloping. So the, this is how we make this connection. As the unemployment rate decreases, it's expected that inflation uh, will increase, right? So unemployment goes down, inflation goes up, more people are back are working, but it's also vice versa. As unemployment rate increases, inflation will pull back. The most recent charts show the level of year-over-year percentage and change in CPI is coming down from its peak. But when we look at the U3 unemployment rate, it's currently inverted. In other words, it's rising. Side note, for those of you that are like, what's the U3 employment rate? U3 is the most, it's the official unemployment rate. The U6 unemployment rate includes everyone not accounted for in U3, like discouraged, underemployed, and unemployed workers in the country that have been beyond the unemployment uh, program. So I'm so this particular chart that I look at follows U3, which like I said, is the, the widest. Looking back over the last 38 years and the last four recessions, we see unemployment rising just before a recession. And that's why it's important for us to follow it. Currently, we are, are setting a, seeing a, a slight um, uptick in those that are unemployed for 27 weeks or over and a slight downtick in those that are employed 15 to 26 weeks. That could be because those folks that have been employed that long are now flip-flopping into that 27 week. This is something we will continue to watch and it will be interesting to see what happens in a, a tight job market like we're in right now. Now, I mentioned the, um, the you know, kind of bringing this together, how do the two pieces there, the, the tie between consumer, some of this ties between consumer and investment sentiment, right? If unemployment is up and inflation is up where we're at right now, kind of that crossroads, then consumer and investor sentiment can be affected. And and so I think it's important also to understand the difference between the two. Now, today, I am just going to be talking about consumer sentiment, but tune in for part five because I will be talking about investor sentiment in part five. When we follow the the charts that we follow, um, they report the three measures of consumer sentiment from a survey collected by the University of Michigan. The indices for sentiment are current conditions and expectations. So the when we think about the the different um, sediments that we are considering. It's the index of current economic conditions is constructed from questions regarding individuals' financial well-being relative to a year ago and the individual's perception timing of a large purchase for their home, such as an appliance. The index of the current economic indicator is derived from expectations for individuals' financial situation in one year, expectations for the country as a whole for one year, and expectations for volatility in the next five years. And then the index of the consumer sentiment is derived from all of the components of the current economic condition and the current economic conditions that are derived from um, the over what they call the ICE and the ICC, right? So we're looking at both, all of those. Why do we look at this consumer 
uh, sentiment is a important indicator. It's super. Remember I mentioned in the last podcast that consumers tend to do well when the economy and the market are doing well and they tend to spend, right? So they tend to spend more. That makes up a large portion of our GDP. So when they feel like it's okay to spend because they feel like we're headed in the right direction, that is going to grow GDP as a whole. Currently, consumer sentiment is well below the average uh, since 1980, but not as low as it was just a few months ago, which by the way, got as low as it was in the 2008, 2009. So sediment got pretty bleak uh, earlier. So I think it's important, again, I just want to go through super quick because I don't want to repeat myself too much. But when we're talking about consumer sediment, we're, we follow a chart that reports three measures of consumer sediment from surveys uh, from that University of Michigan. Just to clarify, they are uh, indices for sediment, current condition, and expectations. And the first one is the index of current economic conditions um, that is constructed from questions regarding individuals' financial well-being, relative to a year ago and the individual's perception. And then the index of current economic conditions is derived from expectations for individuals' financial situation in one year, expectations for the country as a whole, they call this ICE, um, and expectations for volatility in the next five years. So you can see the difference. And then, like I said, the index of consumer sentiment is actually derived from both of those components. So I know that was a little bit longer than what the rest of the series has been, but um, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. And if there's other areas that you'd like me to explore so that you have more information and uh, we'd love to, to provide that. Thank you for listening to today's show. We really, truly hope that you enjoyed this episode and we would love it if you would share this with your friends, read us on iTunes so that more people like you can find us. Thanks, everyone. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.